This is the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. So glad you took time to join us and so glad today we have with us a guest that's calling in and from quite a distance away, David Dye. He's the president of Let's Grow Leaders. David, welcome to our show. Hey, so glad to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's really an honor, honestly, because you are actually an award-winning author. You're a lecturer. You do a lot of great things in the leadership space. A lot of times we talk about leadership journeys with our guests, but not only is that your journey, but it's also the way you make your livelihood in helping others find their way on the leadership path. So give me kind of the real quick overview of what it is to be president of Let's Grow Leaders, and what does that organization do? Appreciate that. You know, we're all about uh, helping human-centered leaders with real practical leadership and management techniques and strategies so that they're able to get the results they want and feel really good about their humanity and, and go to sleep with a good conscience and feeling good about the work and their investment in people. So it's real practical tools for human-centered leaders. Well, and I think what's important to me is real practical tools comes in really handy because generally when you're dealing with leaders, you're probably dealing with somebody that's fairly busy, got a lot on their plate, and they don't need more complicated word speak. They need some realistic down-to-earth solutions, and it sounds like that's what you focus on. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. You know, there's a place for theory and all of that, and we have one or two models, but yes, the more practical we can make it that somebody can, hey, this tool... I can pick it up. I got it. Okay. And I can go use it right away. And <laughs> right. I'm going to see demonstrable results. That's what it's all about. Right. Well, you know, and David, we always get that question, are leaders born or are they made? And in your world, how did you find yourself making a living and an impressive way in the world working on leadership? How did you gain those credentials and that expertise? It's funny. I always say you know, I was born the oldest of six. Well, I was born and then five came after me, but I'm the oldest of six. And I have been Asking these leadership questions, my <laughs> earliest memory of it is when I was 11 years old. And so studying it all my life on some level, and the practical answer, though, is that as a leader myself and as an executive in the human services industry, I was replicating an organization, and I was trying to help leaders do what it was I had been teaching all of our managers to do. And so I started writing a blog. That eventually led to starting my own business, going out on my own. And that eventually led to write a book and then another book with my co-author and now life partner, Karen Hurt. Oh, yeah. Well, Karen is a friend of this show, and it's how you and I got to know each other is because Karen was somebody I met a long time ago, a few couple years ago, and she's been on the show a couple times, and she's just so impressive. And you and Karen kind of cross paths in the leadership direction. Isn't that kind of the way that, that unpacked? Yeah, it really is. We ran into each other online, and it wasn't the swipe right or left kind. It was leadership writing. <laughs> she had a, a leadership blog festival, and I'd contribute to that, and then I'd read her writing and realized we were really aligned in our approach to leadership and the human-centeredness of it, but also the approaches, but from very different corporate backgrounds. Mine was more of a nonprofit human service, and I was also an elected official, uh, local city councilman at one point. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, she had the big corporate Verizon type of background, but we realized the principles were the same. And so we decided eventually to collaborate on something, and that turned out to be our first co authored book, which was called Winning Well uh, A Manager's Guide to Getting Results Without Losing Your Soul. 
<laughs> Without losing your soul. I love it. Well, and so there's so many different things. And along the way, I guess I wonder when you have somebody like yourself and you're talking and collaborating, I think it's a way better scenario than just trying to work these things out on your own. But there's got to be some times when you get into a situation where you say, Karen, I kind of feel this is the way this works. And you guys kind of toss it back and forth and beat it up a little bit to kind of refine it. Absolutely. Frequently, in fact. You know, there are a couple of times where we're like, yeah, this is exactly what we really think alike here. But one of the reasons I wanted to back then write with a co-author was exactly that point of I've got my own perspective, you know, getting older every day, but white male and have my background, my experience, but I wanted to get somebody else's. And Karen's got a different personality than I do and different life experience. And so all of that plays together to sharpen the value of what it is that we're bringing to leaders. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting too today because I think your point is about the perspective. And I think it's interesting today because sometimes it feels like we try to honor diversity, but along the way, we also have this sharp edge in the world that if you disagree with me, then you're not fit or you're dead to me, whatever those things are. I think it's a fine line between getting great diversity and then really getting the most out of that diversity because it's sharing of thoughts and thinking in ways that are collaborative and develop great outcomes, right? It is. And to me, the key word in all of that is curiosity. Mm, and, uh, love it. and our next book uh, that we wrote together, Courageous Cultures, we really focus a ton on curiosity and how as leaders are we showing up with curiosity for what people are thinking, for the contributions that they can make, the ideas that they have. You know, and yeah, when there's a difference of perspective, and Karen and I have them all the time, there are, you know, current issues. We've been discussing this whole remote hybrid work situation that's going on, and, and we have different perspectives on it that are born out of our different personalities. And so yeah. if we can get curious about that, we can find better solutions. Well, I love the word curious, and I love the fact that we get a chance to kind of pick your brain a little bit today right here on the Leadership Lowdown. We're so glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Versero. We'll be right back. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. This is the Michigan Business Network. You found the Leadership Lowdown, and we found David Dye. He's the president of Let's Grow Leaders. He's an award-winning author and an expert that, frankly, we're so glad to have his time today to hear a little bit more about his thoughts on leadership and some of the great things that are going on. You can also, of course, buy his books, which is an excellent investment in your own personal future. But one of the books that I think is really an exciting concept and a discussion point 
He referenced it in the first segment, which is Courageous Cultures. And tell me your overview of that book, if you would, so we can kind of dive into that for a second. Yeah, absolutely. Courageous cultures, you know, if you think about kind of a normal team culture, kind of a standard, there's safe silence. People are not raising their hand with suggestions, ideas like, I just keep my head down, do my work. And people have a lot of negative experiences around, you know, 10 years ago, I shared an idea and I got shot down. I'm never doing that again. (laughs) Yeah, they learn quick, don't they? Yeah. So in a courageous culture, the goal here is can we build teams and organizations of people who are consistently contributing solving problems, you know, micro innovations, coming up with those day-to-day enhancements that better serve our customers or create a better employee or team experience, you know, and contributing solutions. So we're solving problems, we're having ideas, making things better. If every single person in an organization or team is doing that, I mean, the sky's the limit. And that's something that you can't, I mean, talk about a competitive advantage. There is no better competitive advantage. A machine can't do that. No one else can do that, but the people on your team can do it if you build that culture. And it's interesting because you had me at hello when you talk about culture, because I'm not sure if everybody understands this, but every single organization has a culture. And it may not be the one that you want, but it is the one you allowed. And I think that's really the important thing for me to put in here is this whole notion of being courageous about the culture that you want to build and being courageous about where you want to go. Now, what you said earlier in that first segment was curiosity and what a powerful word it is. And I think when we talk about building courageous cultures, that's part of what we're talking about is having the curiosity and the courage to ask the questions inside of that culture. Is that kind of part and parcel where you're going? Oh, you're spot on. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. Sometimes I will be doing work with leaders or executive teams and we talk about courageous questions. And a courageous question is not just, hey, how can we improve things, guys? It's, you know, really asking your team, getting specific. What is the one thing that's really ticking off our customers? Mm. What's the one thing we can do to find 10% more efficiency in this process? You know, what's one thing that's getting in the way of your personal productivity? And we'll have people say, okay, I hear the question and it's specific. I get that. But how is that courageous? You know, (laughs) why is that a courageous question? And you just hit on the answer because it takes courage to hear the answers that you might not want to hear as a leader and to put yourself out there with the vulnerability to say, I recognize improvement is possible. Yeah. You know, and so what I've always tried to do in my leadership roles is to create a world where it's safe to ask questions and honestly, where it's safe to let your thoughts be known. And I want to tell you, David, maybe you can relate to this, but I had a situation where I was the VP. I'm sitting in this room full of people and I've got truly what amounts to basically an MSU intern that's in the room. And he is absolutely just dismantling us on some of our work that we're doing on the internet and some of our website capabilities, different things and social media. I mean, he was ruthless. And so I have to tell you, that's where I had to pack my ego in a box and kind of take a big gulp because I wanted to throw the guy out of the room. But on the other hand, what does that do if I react to him in a negative way? So would you agree there's got to be a fine line between what you say and how you say it? How's that? Well, undoubtedly. And, you know, it's interesting when Karen and I talk about our own experiences here, there are the times where I learned something that, you know, maybe I didn't share it as eloquently as I could have. And for that intern, they have truth to share, but gosh, I can also coach them. I want to hear that. I want to value that. 
And then as a leader, I also want to coach them so that they can be more effective in their presentations in the future. Yeah. Well, I think that's really probably what it is, is the whole notion of being able to share and say what's on your mind. But, and I've always said this, I've said you can say anything you want to anybody as long as you craft it in a way that they can hear it. So, and you know, of course, I'm an old Stephen Covey fan and it's all the entire seek first to understand before you wish to be understood. That's kind of the other thing is, do I really have a good picture coming in here in the first half hour? I'm meeting everybody and just ripping them all. Or do I really need to maybe listen a little bit of how we got here before I weigh in? That's probably a little bit of it. Oh, yeah. And starting with intent, you know, as I do share feedback and good feedback is part of a courageous culture. And we get that established so that we're making the best decisions we can. Absolutely. But if I can start those conversations with intent, my intent in sharing this is to help us accomplish this, to Mm -hmm. be our best, to whatever that specific intent is. If it's in the interest of the person or people I'm talking with, that creates an environment where we can talk about, as you said, almost anything. Yeah, boy, that's really good stuff, David, because, you know, it's the old notion of care about you. So I want you to know this. And here's my intention for sharing this. Man, that's a powerful way to start a difficult conversation. Outstanding, man. I tell you, David, so grateful that you've joined us today right here on the Leadership Lowdown. So glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero with David Dye, and we'll be right back. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. found David Dye right here on Leadership Lowdown, and you found Michigan Business Network. We're so glad you tuned in, and we're so glad we have an opportunity to listen and take notes from an award-winning author. He has so much to offer, and one of his books that I'm so excited about is Courageous Cultures, but it was kind of the ability to have and create a curiosity among your staff so they're allowed to ask some of those questions. But I wonder, David, you know, because one of the things that I think you are absolutely all about is giving people the right tools. And so I wonder if there's some tools and takeaway elements that we can pick our pens up and make some notes with today. Any tools that you'd like to share? Yeah, absolutely, Vic. I'd love to leave everybody with, from Courageous Cultures, is two things. I mentioned already the courageous question. Can you get really clear where you need a great idea? And then ask for it as specifically as you can. Hey, you know, I'd love to get your input on one way that we can make our meetings more efficient. One way that as a remote team, we have better experiences if we were in the room together. One way where we can better serve our customer, remove one irritation. So those are courageous questions. And Mm -hmm. we're going to ask for that input and we're going to hear some things. And people are going to bring us ideas. And then the second tool is how we respond to those ideas. And the reason this is so critical, we were doing some work with a large national financial institution, and they had a really good way of soliciting ideas. I mean, everybody in the company was putting ideas into the system, and the executive in charge of it, he said, you know, David, what's interesting is 50% of the ideas we're getting 
are things that we're already doing. <laughs> I said, oh, well, gosh, I mean, your people must feel really hurt then. And he said, oh, no. Yeah, if you look at our pulse surveys, that's not the case. And so I said, well, okay, how are you going back and letting people know that their idea was so good you're already doing it? And he said, oh, we're not. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, what's going on in that person's mind? Well, they're thinking they don't really want to hear my ideas. Nothing's going to change. They're stuck in their ways. Well, none of that's true, but that's the perception. That's the way it was feeling. So yeah. how we respond to the ideas we get and the suggestions people make is critical as leaders if we're going to build a culture that really values that and where people are contributing. Well, I'm sorry, David. I had to jump in here just because I've been involved with a corporate staff that at one point in time, we put basically the equivalent of a suggestion box out with about 500 employees. And I can tell you that box quickly filled up. And it was exactly that issue of not being able to respond in a timely manner to the ideas. Some of them were just outstanding, but it was a matter of resources, priorities, all the other things that, and given, we've always said, given the same information, you'd probably make the same decisions. But how do you do that if you have that scenario? How do you get that sense of communication back that your thoughts and ideas matter? We just don't have the resources to do them right now. Where's the fine line in all that? process of responding with regard is exactly the answer to that question. So there's really three steps, gratitude, information, and an invitation. And so gratitude is not thanking the person for their idea. It's thanking them for the act of contributing mm. the idea. And there mm -hmm. is a distinction there. I may or may not be able to use the idea, but I absolutely can reinforce, encourage, and celebrate the fact that they thought about it. Hey, thank you for thinking about how we can improve. Boy, that's brilliant. Really, that's awesome. Really appreciate your energy and effort here. You know, and starting there. And then the information stage, that's where we're going to add information. Hey, maybe we're already doing this and here's where you can learn more. Maybe this idea is ready for prime time. Let's trial it. Let's test it. Here's how you can be a part of that. Maybe it needs more information. Maybe they were not aware of a budget constraint or a competing priority or something like that that would influence and so we give them that information. Or sometimes we're not going to be able to use the idea for the reasons you said. Maybe we don't have the resources or there is a constraint that they need to be aware of. Maybe it's not strategically aligned. <laughs> that happens to us. Our team will make a suggestion. It's not where we're heading. Okay, that's okay. Let's talk about it. And then the final step is the invitation to invite them to continue contributing. Hey, thanks for thinking about this. Here's the information for this one love to get your thoughts on this topic or on the idea you had with the addition of the additional constraints or budget or whatever the other information I added to the conversation are. Can I invite them to continue thinking and contributing on that idea or wherever we need another idea? And if we can do that, that builds momentum and people know that their act of contributing is valued. That to me, man, I got to tell you, it's just worth its weight in gold, what you just shared, because honestly, it's the old sense of helping someone feel valued. So I love where you made the distinction between gratitude. It's the act of making the effort to contribute to our overall benefit and direction as an organization, not necessarily showering them with compliments about the idea itself, but it's the act of putting your shoulder to the wheel and helping all of us push on this great big old organization. You know, that's just brilliant stuff, David. And I think that's probably part of what I think you do along the way. Because now with those three steps, I think you've got an employee that you've caught their attention. Absolutely. And I love the way that you've pictured, like we're all putting our shoulder to this wheel. You know, I always say as a leader, you get more of what you encourage and celebrate 
less of what you criticize or ignore. So let's celebrate the contributions that people are making and let's get more of that. More of what you encourage and celebrate. I'm making notes because I just think it's so great what the information you're sharing with us. Man, I got to tell you, David, it's so great to have you and Karen as friends of the show. You offer so much and bring so much to uh, the Leadership Lowdown. We're glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. We're going to be right back after these quick messages. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. This is the Michigan Business Network, and you found the Leadership Lowdown, and we found David Dye. He's a president of Let's Grow Leaders, and boy, I am feeling like I'm growing just listening to you, David. Appreciate all that you've shared with us about Courageous Cultures, which is one of the books that I'm so excited about that you have developed, but that's not your only work. I think you've got some more stuff that's just hot off the presses, right? I sure do, yeah. This one is a solo effort. It's called Tomorrow Together, Essays of Hope, Healing, and Humanity. And so, you know, when you're talking about human-centered leadership, this one really focuses on the human-centered part of that equation. Mm. Tell me what that means, because I guess I can probably beat that one up my own, but let's hear it in your words, because what does that human side of that mean to you? You know, when I can look at the heart of leadership and the reason I do the work that I do, it's because every leader ultimately, I like to say we're in the hope business. (laughs) It's about building a better tomorrow. And That's what leadership is. Hey, if we all come together, team, people, we can have a better tomorrow. And so what are we building? So that's what Tomorrow Together is all about. But it's written through the lens of a variety of different essays. Some of my life experiences, there's observational things, humor, sadness, the whole range of what it means to be human. But how do we have real hope? Well, I believe we've got the resources, we've got the wisdom, and we have one another if we can, as leaders, pull together, have the conversations, and do that work together to build a better tomorrow. Mm. Well, and so part of that, when we say together, tell me about what that target is. Is that Does this book speak to the heart of my marriage? Does it speak to the heart of my team at work? Does it cross all those boundaries? Well, who is together? That's such a good question, Vic. And it's funny that you mentioned marriage because I have an essay in there called How to Cook Thanksgiving Dinner. And it's about when Karen and I, our very first Thanksgiving together, where she had told her family and her dad in particular, what a great cook I am. Oh, no, the pressure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Talk about pressure and expectations. Well, my personality is such, and this is not a joke. When I'm cooking a big, huge, like, feast of a meal, I use a spreadsheet. I mean, I time out. What's going on? (laughs) I'm afraid you're serious, right? Oh, I'm deadly serious. Absolutely. And I know your listeners right now, half of them are like, he's crazy. Like, 
<laughs> other half are saying, where do I get that spreadsheet? Yeah, so right, very good. You're right. Karen is more on your side. She is not a spreadsheet. She's like, let's have fun. Let's do this. And if there's wine and friends and family, it's good. <laughs> it's all good. Well, we got about two hours into cooking Thanksgiving dinner. And, you know, she loved me enough to say, I think we need to pause and take a walk. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. (laughs) And we had a conversation about our approaches to things and what I was feeling, what she was feeling. And, you know, her vision for cooking Thanksgiving dinner together was stolen kisses and fun, you know, and all that. And mine was all this pressure. I got to perform and I got to get this food right. (laughs) You know, and so how many times in life do we have those kinds of challenges where our expectations are different, our way of approaching something is different. And if we'll just talk about it, we can get there. So to answer your question, is it about personal relationships? Yes. And it's also about our global human relationships because mm-hmm. we've got billions of people, but we got one home. We have one rock floating through space <laughs> that we share together and we got to share it and yeah. we got to figure out a way to do that. Yeah. And boy, is that timely in terms of what we're all confronted with right now, right off the headlines, everything from politics to just even the demeanor sometimes of uh, the way people are acting out there. I don't know the answers. I don't know the solutions, but I do know it's powerful when you take time to think about it. And I think I'm still smiling over your description of the Thanksgiving dinner because every once in a while, I guess it's because I've gotten older I'm thinking, can't you read my mind? And I think it gets so frustrating to me because I get so focused and that somebody that's there helping me is no help at all. And so I just wonder about that whole thing. And part of it, wouldn't you agree, is slowing down a little bit in the pace of our world. Is that part of it? It it is. You know, going back to the mind reading thing, I like to say I'm telepathetic. I can't read minds. And, you know, so, but I think we all, it's part of our human experience. My mind makes perfect sense to me. So why didn't it make sense to you? Uh, Right. (laughs) You know, and one of the essays I talk about, I call it bubbles of belief. And years ago I was working in an education environment and I had some teachers and I went into their classroom and they had quotes that they had posted up in their classroom from a particular religious tradition, which one it is doesn't matter. I said, so listen, for the class that you're teaching, you're welcome to have a variety of quotes from all different traditions that would be appropriate for the content and the theme that they were teaching. And they said, well, why? We just want to have this one. And I said, well, you can't do that. I said, well, why not? I said, listen, if you sent your child to a classroom and the instructor was a very devout fill-in-the-blank, Hindu, Jew, Muslim, Christian, whatever tradition, would you feel comfortable having only their tradition being foisted on your child? And they said, well, no, of course not. I said, so why should your classroom be any different? And they looked at me completely sincerely and said, well, because what we believe is the truth. And so that is such a dangerous place to come from to say, well, what I believe and what makes sense in my head is the only possibility of what could be getting back to curiosity. So how can we show up with enough curiosity to say, yes, I have my beliefs. Yes, I have the truth that I am aware of. And to leave room for conversation, to leave room for learning from one another so that we're respecting each other and can craft and have those conversations. And I think that's something that we need a lot more of in the world. And as leaders, in our teams, in our organizations, we can be embodying those conversations. 
Well, I think there's so much. You said craft, and it is a bit of a craft, and you're uh, teaching us the craft here today right here on the Leadership Lowdown. Thanks for tuning into the Michigan Business Network. We're going to go pay some bills and come right back. Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. Thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown. We found Dave Dye. He is the president, Let's Grow Leaders. And I have so much information and grateful to Dave for spending time with us here on the Michigan Business Network. David, I want to make sure that we talk about this book. And again, the title of the book is? Tomorrow Together, Essays of Hope, Healing, and Humanity. I just love that. And part of what you shared in that last segment was a little bit of the whole notion of, uh, it sounded like they were a collection of different essays, maybe short stories. Is that the way the book lays out? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's over 40 different short essays, very digestible. Some folks like to read it, and, you know, one at a time or one every other day, and others just tear through them all. Yeah, right, right. It's all about them. Well, you know, in that, are there little snippet takeaways from each essay, or how does that work in the book? Yeah, you know, sometimes there's value in a really good question. So sometimes there's observations or conundrums or questions that it's good to pose the question for us to reflect on. And I'm not trying to offer an answer. Sometimes it's a good question that's most valuable. And then other times I am definitely sharing, hey, this is my perspective. And I think that if we can do this, this is going to be helpful. And part of that, as a leader, if I go to one word that prompted this book for me, it's vulnerability. Mm, That's an interesting word. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, for your listeners, I'm a middle-aged white male, right? And so I was having conversations with people in different training programs. You know, we do leadership development programs all over. And, you know, you look at me and you have a particular perspective, but it's not the whole story. And you look at my headshot online and you get a particular image. And I had a great photographer. She did a fantastic job, but it paints a particular picture. And that's not the whole picture. And part of our ability as leaders to relate to our teams, to make a difference, to be influential, is to pull back that curtain and be a real person. Like, you know, when I was telling the story about, I screwed up with Karen at cooking Thanksgiving dinner. Mm -hmm. I got way too stressed. You know, that's real. And so what are the real stories that we all have? Well, this was one of the reasons I needed to write this book was to get some of those stories out there. Right. Well, you said vulnerability, which to me kind of made my head snap around. I think, and maybe you could address this for me, I think a lot of leaders feel pretty strong about they must always be in control. They must have that ability to stand strong and not to be in a spot where they screw up or they make a mistake. And so this vulnerability word When we talk about leadership, do you have some thoughts on that? You know, I do. Well, first thing I'll say is that, yes, I'm well familiar with that tendency, both from my own direction. I certainly have fought that battle to try to be in control and be strong in the store and all those sorts of things. And I've worked with and coached so many leaders who have done that. And the number one thing I would tell you as you're listening to the show today, if you're wrestling with that, control is an illusion. You don't have it. (laughs) I love it. And 
you know, my way of saying this is that the mountain always wins. I've got some stories, and I love hiking the 14,000 foot mountains in, in Colorado. We call them 14ers out there where I'm from. And the mountain always wins. I don't care how good a shape you're in, how well planned you are. If there's a thunderstorm and lightning is hitting, or if you drop your focus on an unsafe peak, you're dead. The mountain wins. You know? So there's that humility and recognition of we don't have control over those things. What we do have is influence. What we do have is connection. What we do have is trust and our ability to work together to create a better future. That's what we have. Wow, that's really powerful stuff, David. And I have to tell you, it reminds me of what I think all of us do is when we're walking somewhere, maybe we're headed to our car, or when we slip, stumble, fall, papers go flying, and the very first thing we do is we look up to see who saw that. You know, we're like, oh, and you start looking around, and it's all because we don't want anybody to see us in that moment of vulnerability or that moment of failure like that. But to your point, look, to fail is absolutely a human element. And to think that you can 100% do things flawlessly and in control all the time, again, it's a fallacy that you're chasing. And so it feels like much of that's between your ears, and you've got to get that figured out right away to make a happy life. Yeah, absolutely. So much of it is. And, you know, there's those feelings of embarrassment or sadness or any of those kind of negative emotions. I think particularly in the U.S. It's true in some other cultures, too, but we run from them. Uh, And there's so much power in them. If we can embrace them, let them flow through, let them do their work. You know, I'm thinking of I was just leading some folks on a bike tour up in the mountains a couple weeks ago, and one of them fell. And what's your instinct in that moment? He took a bad tumble. He wanted to pop right back up and get on the bike like nothing had happened. Yeah, That's the yeah. worst thing you yep, can do. Right. <laughs> you know, and from a leadership perspective, when we have those moments, gosh, if we can stop and laugh with the embarrassment, feel the pain, fully experience those moments, learn from them, and then help our team to move through them, how much more powerful future we can create. What a difference. Wow. Man, David, the wisdom that you share is incredible. It's beyond your years, I just know for sure. And somehow you've been blessed with some incredible thoughts and wisdom for us today. We're so glad you're with us today here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero with David Dye, and we'll be right back. Place keeps changing, and successful companies recognize and embrace change through choice, adaptability, and innovation. DBI offers affordable furniture solutions for countless workspace options that will enhance the performance of your people and organization. DBI helps customers reach their workplace goals from improving worker effectiveness and innovation to brand expression. DBI is your office furniture partner. Learn more at dbiguess.com. Michigan, my Michigan. 
I'm having a ball right here on the Leadership Lowdown today with David Dye. He's the president of Let's Grow Leaders and so grateful Michigan Business Network has a moment to have some time with you, David. And I'm smiling right now because I'm thinking, golly, I've had plenty of vulnerable moments in my life. If you want to find something funny, just follow me around with a video camera. I'll do something stupid almost every 10 minutes. You got any of those moments in your life when you go, yeah, that wasn't my finest hour? Yeah, the only difference is I write about them and put them in a book. And you really fall on your sword, don't you? <laughs> you know, but intentionally, like, because this is life and we're going to be better leaders if we can have that vulnerability. Yeah, one of the stories that I share, and this comes back to leadership principle. I think one of the most important leadership principles, practices that we can have is consistency and consistency in our fundamentals. It leverages everything else we do. So Michael Jordan, he says, the minute you get away from fundamentals, the bottom can fall out. Whatever you're doing, schoolwork, job, doesn't matter what you're doing. Lose that focus on fundamentals, you're done. Uh, I took my daughter and a friend of hers when they were in high school camping, and I loved camping. And so, you know, this is her friend's first camping trip ever. I'm in super camp dad mode. We set up the tent. We set up the (laughs) camp. I throw the cooler food under the table. We're like, I'm feeling great. We get in the car to go for a drive with the scenery. We come back. I had violated a fundamental. Oh, and a bear had you left the food the out. <laughs> pulled that cooler out and dist- I mean, ate everything with one exception. Yeah. I had stashed a bottle of scotch in that cooler. <laughs> and the bear claw marks down the label, like as if to say, I didn't, but I could have. I could. <laughs> you know, and I laugh about that now because I totally embarrassed myself. The kids ended up eating oatmeal. I had a shot of scotch for dinner. That's it. That's all I got to eat. And, uh, you know, but the fundamentals and the bear honored the fundamental. You know, you never touch another man's scotch without permission. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> and as leaders, we've got to honor the fundamentals too. Yeah. We never outgrow the need for them. Well, I think that's the key, and that's really the beauty of what you and Karen do at Let's Grow Leaders, is you spend time focusing on those fundamentals, because I don't know who else is coaching it. I'm grateful that I've had a few experiences in my life that helped me craft some of my leadership experiences. I've had some amazing mentors that have stepped into my life and done some amazing things. But these things don't grow on trees. They don't necessarily happen. A lot of times, I think, David, you would agree that sometimes you're under the employment of a certain manager or supervisor. And I just remember if I ever get in charge of anybody, I will never act like that. I'll never do that. So you can even learn from the bad ones, right? Absolutely. In fact, I think they're some of the very best leadership textbooks we'll ever have. (laughs) Right. Free of charge. They're painful. They're not fun, but they are part of the whole learning curve. So, But listen, before we run out of time, I want to make sure you're an award-winning author and you've shared so much of your wisdom and I can see how and why you'd want to commit to paper and do what you and Karen do. I'm so grateful for that. But I want to know, you do some consulting work too, right? It's not just all writing books, but you can show up and help the organizations figure out their culture as well. That's right. Absolutely. We love to work with executive teams to frontline leaders and everybody in the organization with, again, with those practical leadership management tools, strategies, and then with the executive level to do the work around culture and around the outcomes that you're trying to achieve. Well, now, sometimes, David, I got to believe you're in a position where sometimes you got to say some things to a leader that's hired you that they may not want to hear. Absolutely. All the time. And those are my favorite leaders to work with because they are practicing that vulnerability that's going to lead them to be more effective and do better with their team and for their teams. Yeah. 
Well, and I think that's the power of being able to set that up and actually say right at the beginning that we may not always be talking about the fun stuff. We're going to talk about the stuff that's going to grow and help you get to where you want to be. And that's really what it's all about is effectiveness. And so I know there's some people that are inspired by you today, David. I know I am. If you look out there, how do we get a hold of you or Karen? And what are the differences? Because both of you are dynamic leaders and consultants and people that we want to involve. Who would we call for certain things and decide that? Yeah, absolutely. The best place to get started is letsgrowleaders.com. And you can find links to all the books. If you're interested in this latest one, it's tomorrowtogetherbook.com. But you can find it wherever books are sold. And then as far as working with us, we do a lot of our work collaboratively, tag team, because again, benefit of different perspectives. But sometimes we're each going to have some expertise that might be better suited for your situation. So that's a conversation. Have the conversation and we'll make sure and get you the right person and the right expertise. Well, and also I know for a fact, because I've seen some of it, you guys do some excellent work in seminar settings and keynote speeches, right? Yes, we do. Absolutely. So workshops, seminars, a conference, speaking, you know, any of that, you know, any way to get the spoken message out there or the work done, we're all about it. We'd love to have that opportunity. Well, David, you absolutely blew me away. And just so you know, your wife, Karen, has promised that you would be a dynamic, awesome person for the show. And she was absolutely right. So tell her, at a girl, congratulations, Karen. And thank you for getting us in touch with David. David, thank you so much for your time. It's greatly appreciated. Oh, it's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you. Well, it's been my pleasure. And I've got so many notes and so many wonderful things we've learned from David Dye. He's the president of Let's Grow Leaders and an award-winning author and certainly somebody that we want to have back on the show. He has so much to offer. David, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown and listening to the Michigan Business Network. I can't wait to talk to you next time.